Welcome to The Rec Room with Mandy and Mia, a podcast about books and the people who write them. Welcome, everyone. You know what this show is. This is a podcast called The Rec Room with Mandy and Mio, where we ask the question, when does a story become required reading? In each episode, we take popular authors of the day and review select pieces of their work just to see how close these writers get. <laughs> I stumbled there. Writers, <laughs> the, how they get, <laughs> how close they get, these writers, <laughs> to the sweet spot between mainstream breakout success and traditional literary sensibilities. He did it. Yeah, I did it. Uh, I'm Mia. I'm Andy. And this is the record of a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel like I keep stumbling over that nowadays because like I I, I every time I read it, I know that we're like ha- low key lying. And not not, <laughs> not only that, like I just realized like maybe a week or two ago that we haven't changed the intro. So even the intro that I'm tagging to this episode is gonna say a podcast about books and the people who write them, which has not mm-hmm. been true <laughs> for the last four, four episodes. For, like, months. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like, this, oh, and we're liars. <laughs> yeah, oh, you know, like a liar. <laughs> That's what we've been um, doing. But today we are not liars, my friends. No, we're not. No, we're not. Thank today, you for that. Today there um, is no lies here. We are, we are talking about a book that we've been hyping up. Not low key, <laughs> like we've been. Yeah, I was like, um, internally, internally, yeah, like, yeah. It's been very big for us here at the rec room, but um, <laughs> but like at least we announced ahead of time that we would be doing three novel length works here on the summer semester of our podcast. Uh, and today we're talking about the first of those picks, which is the novel "The Idiot," not by Fyodor Dostoevsky, but by nope. Elif Batuman. Novelist Elif Batuman. And I picked it because I remembered reading this around the time it came out, which was 2017. Mm -hmm. And like, um, it was 2017. Yeah, it was 2017. And then I I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed Mm -hmm. this book. And I remember reading it. 2017, we, you had just graduated your master's a year I mean earlier. no I had graduated in 2015 we, we like we keep really re- oh joke lang. no I graduated oh, in 2015 and I remember because I was reading it in the context of a vacation that I was taking with my family it's a the oh, okay. thing that's particularly memorable to me is that it was the book I remembered enjoying the most on that vacation and oh, and part of my litmus paper test for that was that what? I couldn't sleep on the plane going home. So I mm-hmm. opened it, and I ended up finishing like two thirds of the book in one go, and oh, wow. like that. Wait, night, was this the Japan vacation? No, now I'm is, realizing this is, uh, this is the when we went to Europe. So I was like really surprised. Ah, I was okay. like, "Whoa!" Like not that that's never happened to me before, but like yeah, it's one of those yeah. things where I'm like, this rarely happens. Where I mean, like, granted, I am on a plane, but like, um, you know, the attention it takes for me to mm-hmm. give to like a novel that, especially one that presents itself in like fragmentary vignettes as this yeah. one does kind of yes. um like it, it it doesn't often like hold my attention for very long and like i really have to like treat it as a fragmentary like i'm almost like going back to it time and time again to hear different cuento about somebody's experience 
mm-hmm. but like here now it's like no no okay I, i'm gonna I, I i'm i'm all in on this book i need to know what happens so i re- remember reading it all the way through then and then nice. um four years later i decided <laughs> we should cover it um, on a podcast on our podcast uh this is your first time reading it how did you enjoy it yes i really i was very surprised because i didn't expect it to like stylistically okay to be like that that was the first thing that caught me i was like oh yeah. shit um it was i didn't i had no idea what it's about so i went into this really blind because i i had never heard of it actually until you you brought it up that you wanted to do it and then i didn't know what to expect also and you know i was also thinking of like dostoyevsky's book i guess so i was like okay maybe this is gonna be more formal yeah. and also also given then that my novel choice is very old yeah um so i kind of was like is this also going to be super old so in my head i'm like i was mentally preparing like the way you would re- prepare yourself for a class i guess which yeah. is the point of this whole podcast yeah but like um part i was like okay i have to get my like academe brain on or something like that yeah um or like my study brain on, and then when I read the first part, I literally like the first sentence. I was like, "Oh, I can chill out. <laughs> this is fine. This is yeah. totally fine." Um, but I super enjoyed this. I really, I thought it was. Um, I, it, so what I was telling Mio before this was that I actually did half and half of this. Um, I read it via ebook, and then like I um also read it um. Uh, I mean, I had also listened to it as an audiobook, and it was narrated by the author herself, and I really liked it. Her voice is so calming. Right, it was really nice. Yeah. I actually, I love think listening. That it, to it, 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 yeah, that's that's kind of one of the reasons why I had to do half and half because I would fall asleep oh. <laughs> because it would be it was like but not like oh I'm so bored but it was no, like, no, really but like like oh, she's so chill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of like she was so chill because she she and she I like the she didn't really do voices but when yeah. she would like express certain parts yeah. like for dialogue I thought she was very cute about it and I really liked it. Um, and book wise, it was easy. You know, I have a hard time with ebooks. I'm gonna have to say, so okay. I had to read this through an ebook. And do you have the physical? Of yes, this? I do. I do. Oh, okay. It was the one well, that I, I read on the so plane. I had... Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. Sorry. Uh, but like with me, it's kind of hard. And but then for some reason with this, it wasn't. Especially okay. I had it on my phone, and I was able yeah. to read it through there, and I was able to get through it better that way but like when we were doing other books for some reason i couldn't it wasn't the same yeah i don't know what about it maybe it's also like her style that made it easier for me to read it in the same pace that i would usually read a fanfic on my phone and i was kind of like oh i got through so much of this yeah and then you know yeah anyway that okay thank you for that's us pre pre meditating our uh yeah response to this because i i still like i was i remember i was even kind of warning you i was like the first i remember the first part being a little scattered but i swear to god Mm -hmm. like i was like trying to convince you like it comes together especially in the latter half like it picks up so hard (laughs) like yeah and can you imagine you telling me that and in my head yeah i'm thinking that this is a book from 1852 (laughs) so (laughs) <laughs> in my head I was like okay it's I'll like, just do it I mean, that's what most guys say I guess about <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so, man uh, you know 
Uh, <laughs> anyway, but yeah, um, that idiot. I'm glad you, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Then uh, briefly, uh, like yeah. broadly speaking, so this novel, as you alluded to, is about uh, a young woman who's going through her first year of college. It's basically her first year of college. That it whole is, experience yeah. of her first year, including the summer that she goes on in Hungary. Um, and, and the circumstances that lead to that being her summer experience and the things that she learns along the way. Um, mm-hmm. It's based heavily on her personal experience. It's semi-autobiographical, uh, which mm-hmm. is why I think more than ever, it's necessary to go into like the context of who Edith Batman is and like what she grew up through, just so you get a sense of like how she kind of um, divides her persona, I mean, not divides, that's a weird way of saying it, but, like, how she sort of separates <laughs> or, like, distances herself while also, like, relying heavily on the experiences that she had to build this novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that even extends kind of to like, how... Okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Kind of like... No, I was gonna say, kind of like... Well, for me, kind of like what we were saying before about Zadie. Oh, okay. I guess. Yeah, in a way. Like, she's the only other one, I think, who has had like a similar because sally and maddie like... maddie yeah definitely no <laughs> especially <laughs> maddie that would be crazy that would be insane i grew up like no 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 i was isolated homer. on an island homer i was isolated on... homer <laughs> he and i <laughs> no homer anyway uh, i actually helped transcribe the iliad a lot of people don't a lot know of people... homer was yeah that's true many people yeah <laughs> Um, anyway, okay, go um, on. yeah, but I think we should definitely go uh, into the context of her life. Leif Batman was born uh, 1977, possibly, I, I, according to the internet, it's June 7, which means her birthday's coming up. Leif, if you're listening mm-hmm. to this episode, happy birthday, advance. Happy birthday, <laughs> happy birthday, birthday, if you care. Which makes her a... Gemini. Ooh, interesting. Leif, if you're listening, I just want to know, are you okay? Um, this Gemini season has not been kind, so I hope she's okay. I have a Gemini moon, so that's kind of why I've been suffering, but I hope her Gemini sun has been okay. Okay, I'm actually curious about this. I want to ask this now. Do you feel like her Gemini-ness translates to her writing? Like, how do, how, do you, how do you think about Oh, yeah, based on what you literally just mentioned, na parang uh-huh. she can separate herself uh, or her own experiences while still relying on them to put out something. That seems very... Uh, kind of like... Yeah, like, I know that we kind of just... I know that we... I just mentioned that, oh, Zadie does that too. But the way Zadie does it is so different. Right. It Like, obviously, it's a similar concept. But then, like, cl- yeah. like with with Elif, it is more clear to me... That she is making a twin. Yes, right. kind of. Yeah, or yeah. partner of like this is me fictionalizing very heavily fictionalizing something, not super heavily. Sorry, yeah. Zadie is more like this is me heavily fictionalizing something that right, I've experienced. Right. Whereas, whereas with her with Elif, it's more like I'm gonna try and put as much of me in this. Yeah, without it being me, but in right. And in fact, which like I, I think was... is a very go go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry, there was like an article where she was saying that like. In terms of writing her experiences, like she almost like she doesn't care about the like having to identify which details are the ones that really happened to her. So I think that mm-hmm. that sort of like lack of like she doesn't really care about it. 
You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if people look at it and say, oh, this is what really happened to her. I mean, like, for her, like, that's part of the point is, like, her being yeah. able to write that experience out. Um, yeah. She is a Turkish-American writer. Her parents were Turkish immigrants who uh, brought her... She, she was born in New York, and then they had her... They, she grew up in New Jersey. And then from a very early time in her life, she knew she wanted to be a writer. And as she was like growing up, she like sort of realized like, okay, part of being a writer is like, uh, I have to be open to everything. And she was saying like, this is part of what it feels like to be like the children of immigrants because she does not have like a sense of what is normal and what is not normal because she is growing up with that sense of alienation with the society that she's in. Oh, right? Wow. Yeah. So she's like very conscious of like, that's weird. I don't know why people don't point that out. Um, and yeah. Then, you know, that's something right. that's very evident in her writing. Um, yeah. But it's also like the sense of like her parents. Like she, I was listening to the interview she does on the podcast, Other People. Where she was saying that, like, her parents, who are sort of, like, these overachievers in science, like, they mm. kind of, like, like implicitly, like, drove this sense of wanting to achieve as well. You know, you know how, you know how, uh, how parents yeah, are. You know. parents are. Yeah. Yeah, I thought <laughs> like, it was, like, POC parents. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, like, so, so they had sacrificed a lot for her and they had... Mm-hmm. tried as much as possible is she an only to, child i think so yeah and like they had tried as okay. much as possible to get her opportunities to do what nobody else in their family did so like yeah. presumably she's the first person in their family to study at no less than harvard harvard right? yeah um and so she had to like open herself up to everything as much as possible which like like informs a lot of the actions that happen in this book where she's kind of just like especially the beginning yeah and she's like saying yes to a lot of things and she's sort of just like Mm -hmm. being like yeah i'll take this class because this is something i'm generally interested in and i think like even to the point of like her like later in the book when she goes to hungary like that's that's propelled by her saying yes to something that she doesn't really give that much thought to like know about like she's just like yeah okay i'll I'll go i'll go to hungary for the summer basically yeah right um but yeah so she went to harvard and then um she'll uh, after her undergraduate she kept going until she got her phd in comparative literature from stanford which is where she was teaching between 2007 and 2010 she uh, was also first published in the magazine N Plus One, which was started by her friends in Harvard. And then wow. after that, she started writing for The New Yorker in 2006, where she became a staff writer a few years later. The same year that she became a staff writer, 2010, was the year that her first book, The Possessed, came out. And it's like uh, this collection of essays about Russian literature and the people who read them. Uh, <laughs> so, so I, but I, I, I've read some of the essays in this book. I've read like the introductory essay numerous times, but the the mm-hmm. book is really it's a good read as well. Like, um, she has like an essay there about, uh, like there's a literary conference for the writer Isaac Babel, and then it's like she's like investigating all. She's like sort of observing all the different groups who come to, kind of like deconstruct, uh, Isaac Babel. And, like, all of them are from different walks of life. So you get the sense of how this one writer affected all these lives. And then she has mm-hmm. also, like, another essay later about how 
she tries to investigate, like, was Tolstoy murdered? Check out them. BuzzFeed solved. <laughs> like, <laughs> like which, was he which, murdered? Well, yeah, yeah. Like the, on the train station. Yeah, like there's 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 a there's a popular theory apparently that Tolstoy was murdered. So she like went to like she like no is, there, idea. is there any truth to that? And then like it came out in the book. Wow. So, but like the first, I want to read that one. Yeah, the first essay from that book though is actually like a very good. Um, like roadmap for her second book, The Idiot, which we're talking about today, Mm -hmm. because you see in that first essay so much of what happens in The Idiot, uh, she explains happened to herself in real life. So Mm -hmm. like one thing that she mentioned, obviously, is going to Harvard, but like she explains like at some point she decided to take a Russian class and they had to read a story, like a continuing story called The Story of Vera. Which in the novel becomes Nina in Siberia. There's also a part where she talks about getting stuck uh, after a canoe ride and like waiting for her companion, but like feeling lost. And then she also that de- uh, like says that she took some like Russian class. I'm uh, sorry, not Russian language classes, philosophy of language classes, where the guiding principle was like, imagine you have to explain language to a Martian, like. What's the system? How do you? What's the best way to explain yeah. your experience to that Martian, which also appears in the novel? But as I was saying earlier, like she, she's experienced. Uh, she's ex- uh, like interested in exploring her experience and the relationships that she has, um, to the point that she doesn't really care about like how, like pointing out to people like this has really happened to me. So like she doesn't really call attention to it. And I think mm-hmm. that extends also to the style, the storytelling style of this novel. Because, like, the interesting detail I found out about how she wrote this book is that um, she had actually written a first draft of it many, many, many years ago in 2000, 2001. So she was, like, 23. She, had, she was, like, you know, just starting out after graduating from Harvard. And she was a graduate student, I think. Or she was about to consider going to graduate school. And then she was looking back at her experience as an 18-year-old as a freshman. And she was like, man, I was so, like, I'm so dumb. Like, what are they doing? She, <laughs> she wrote, like, a very, like, cynical novel about her being an 18-year-old in Harvard and, like, all the experiences she went through. And then from time to time, she would interject with this 23-year-old voice who'd say, little did I know that I <laughs> like you know she was like she was like trying to like highlight the fact like yeah I'm so much smarter than this idiot over here so like you know like I have to tell you that 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 person is an idiot but I'm much smarter now and so that yeah. was the first draft of the idiot that she wrote when she was 23 and then she right. like put it away and then like 15 years later while she was writing for the New Yorker she got a book contract to write a novel about being a, a journalist in Turkey, writing for a New Yorker-like publication. And the thing was that she kept feeling like she had to write about the backstories of each character all the way up until they were in college. And mm-hmm. um, as she was writing that, she was like, wait, I've written something, like I've written hundreds of thousands of words about being in college. Why don't I just get from that? And then, mm-hmm. so then that's when she went back to that first draft and she was reading it and she was like... And then she was like... Go. Yeah, yeah. She was basically like, "Oh, this is good." Like, I mean, like, <laughs> like, and and like, you see that like it's different stages of like observing herself. Like, there's her as the 18 year old. There's her as the 23 year old comment commenting on it very cynically, but then there's yeah. her revisiting it again years later as a 38 year old 
who like now sees this novel as a historical novel because like obviously we've moved on from um, email and like she had yeah. written the first draft of the book <laughs> as 9-11 like, like it, uh, yeah. as it was coming about yeah and then um, like the thing that she observed as she was like rewriting it or rereading it was that she liked what was happening to the 18 year old more than she liked what the 23 year old was saying so mm-hmm. she was like, I'm actually more moved by this. I'm going to cut out all the 23-year-old bits and just keep the 18-year-old bits and I'll call it the idiot. Mm-hmm. And but, yeah, and like the, the like my whole like take on that is that while you're reading, I don't know if you, like... Did you That's ever... also very Gemini. Oh, really? Like for her to be all like, like uh, she wrote these two phases of life yeah. and then realized that one was kind of more... Uh, interesting than the other and then she's just like I'll just go with that other one oh okay um, I feel like that's a very um, intuitive thing of like being a Gemini I guess because yeah. you can see both sides of things very clearly and then you can see which would work for you better okay um, not necessarily just in writing but like in yeah. like life and stuff and so she applied that in a certain way ah. um, lang. yeah okay so, that's actually very insightful I didn't, I didn't know that at all about Gemini um, <laughs> even though she removes the 23-year-old aspects of that first draft, there is still this undercurrent of an older voice telling the story. I don't, did you ever feel that? E- yes. Yeah. Because she, she sounded very mature. Right. Yeah. And in that part, in the first part, when she has to say her age for the first time, like... You know she's a freshman, obviously, because she yeah. talks about like moving in and yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. oh, college is so different. Yeah. But in that part where that one teacher is like, "How old are you anyway?" and she's just like eighteen, that was the first time I was like, "Oh, yeah, uh, oh, she's only eighteen. Okay. Yeah, she. <laughs> All right, um, move on. <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that like it, it becomes clear that there is an older voice writing. And and I and mm-hmm. I, I I think that's one of the things that really drew me back to this novel is knowing that there is a voice that's sympathetic but not necessarily forgiving to the mm-hmm. younger self. And I mean, like yeah, but nor is it condescending. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah, it's yeah. called the idiot and stuff, and she gets called out for doing really stupid right. things. Right. it's it's like laying it out in such a way that this is a learning thing that yeah. everyone yeah. kind of goes through in college. Yeah. And I mean, like. I, I guess, like, in terms of, like, revisiting this novel at, like, this age, we're now in our late 20s, approaching our 30s, mm-hmm. where it, it now is starting to feel Jesus. like, I mean, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> but, like, I mean, it's starting to feel like, you know, college is, like, now a distant reality, yeah. like. It really, yeah. Diba? I was actually thinking about that recently. Sorry, uh, if I yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Because it was two of my high school friends, two of my really good friends from high school have, share the same birthday, and which was yesterday. Uh, or the day before yeah thank you they're both Gemini's also um and I was thinking like oh I've known them since I was um 14 and we are all they just turned both of them just turned 26 that's really wild to me and I'm turning 27 this year as you mentioned yeah and you know like recently also I was thinking about college and I was like oh it seems sometimes it seems so close like we just ended yeah. but sometimes also like reading going through this and her describing her first experiences with taking classes and stuff I was also kind of imagining us yeah. and how we would like go across 
campus and go to different classes and stuff. And but I also felt so far away from that whole experience. Right. Whereas, like when when we would read, for example, um, uh, because like because because this was so heavily also, like it was so important to talk about like school. Whereas, like in Sally Rooney's stuff, in like in conversations with friends, they're also clearly in like yeah. second year or something yeah. of college. Yeah. But like that didn't really matter because what was more important was happening not in school right and so you don't really feel the weight of like university on them yeah. whereas here it yeah and I also think i a guess great comparison point because like in in those two novels you don't feel the sense of the re- of the not narrator making any judgments about the characters at all and it, it, feels, yes, it feels very correct. disconnected and objective, which you know is it's it's very much yeah. part of like Sally's personality to do that. Yeah, but like it also yeah. like doesn't have the affectation that this novel eventually ends up having, of like that mm-hmm. sympathy for the younger idiot. For right, correct, correct, and especially I guess in in conversations with friends, is um like towards the end, then it's more of like. Okay, this is how we're gonna move on with our life. Yeah, um, but not necessarily in a way that's, as you said, was sympathetic. It was more like, okay, let's just move on now. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's a it's a bit more hard, I guess, in yeah. that sense. Um, yeah. And whereas with this, it was really like, like, like it. I don't know, maybe this is also a Gemini thing. Na parang she very clearly wanted to map out all the events right. that led to her to the end. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Because in that sense, like, that's also where, like, to go back, like, now in retrospect, like, th- that's where the normal people ending falls a little flat. It's like, okay, right. like, Connell gets into the MFA program, and he, like, Marianne has to reckon with the fact that he's going to leave, but she tells him that she'll yeah. always be there. And so it's, like, a very ambiguous state of, like, well, I guess the will they won't they will sort of continue, but in a we'll way continue that they forever. appreciate, right? But, like, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. like, parang it's, like, Okay, but like you do want to see them get together, or like you do yeah, want them to absolutely. like burst into like this con- larger confession that may be embarrassing, but yeah. at least it's honest. Maybe yeah, you know, like yeah. but and that's kind of what happens here in this book. But you know, it's like mm-hmm. you don't ever feel the sense of shame that comes with that openness yeah. or with that honesty. Correct. And I mean, like, Correct. like you're saying about your looking back at your college experience, like even I myself, like a few nights ago, I remember like, I was like, I, I out of nowhere just started feeling sad. I was like, wow, I'm never going to be able to go oh. to the cast garden again and yeah. see that my friends are there just like waiting. Yeah. Like, not, not that they'd expected me, but that they were just sitting there and I could join them. Yeah. Like I'll never be able to go back to the that. The fact that you knew that we'd be there. Yeah. It was like, it was like, it, it's weird yeah. knowing that that was not available to me and that's what made me sad. But then I mm. also have to balance that with the notion that, yeah, but you did a lot of dumb things in college. You weren't exactly like, yeah. you weren't exactly <laughs> Mr. Cool over there. You, you, yeah. you know, <laughs> You know what I mean? So like, like you know, like, hey, you were Mr. Cool to me. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> That's what my mom tells really me were... all the time. Okay. Me and the Mel. Okay, but like, um, yeah, but like it, it like it, it's to the point that uh, sometimes I look back at like how I was in college, and I can never forgive myself, even though I didn't do, yeah, you know, even though I didn't no, set I out understand. to do anything evil. But like, it's just like, wow. Yeah. 
why <laughs> why did I raise these questions or why did I behave this way in a class? Like that's yeah. such a that's yeah. such a very stupid way to act, right? <laughs> no. And, and, yeah. And like true right. enough, like this you. is something that I remember we touched on in one of our like reading break episodes, possibly a Christmas episode, where I think the way it's kind of like uh followed me into my present age into my present life is that I've now like adopted the mood of like being overly critical about myself to the point that it becomes so difficult for me to like make a decision that will allow me to project myself to a larger public like especially like social media I find it so hard for me to post yes because I'm so overcritical of myself to the point that I already anticipate, like, years from now, I'm going to look back at the post and say, that was a dumb post. <laughs> like, I yeah. should never have, yeah. like, said that online. That's crazy. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And, and and especially but, within the fabric of this novel, because the internet is literally in its infancy. New. It's yeah. literally, yeah. The beginning of this novel is them explaining emails. Yeah, yeah she gets the email and I'm like... <laughs> Oh, this is the origin story of conversations Literally. with friends. With friends, yes, that's <laughs> Where very they true. End up sending memes to each other through email. Exactly, yeah. and song links. Yeah, just yeah, to bring it back, right? Right. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's sort of that historicity of a personal experience, and like her offering the sense, like, no, you can look at it in a way that's still critical, but not overly mm-hmm. judgmental. Because that's, I think, what yeah. she sends with herself in the 23-year-old voice. Um, yeah. But she, you know, did not have that anymore when she became older and wiser. And she realized, like, I'm far enough that I can really forgive myself for that. Yeah. Which I guess is something Correct. I'm trying to learn nowadays, I guess. You got this, buddy. Yeah. Um, your tweets are funny. I just need you to know that now your tweets are so funny. Yeah, the, the tweets I send so... to you exclusively <laughs> are yeah. funny. At least. That's true. That's how I feel. That's true. They're that so funny. They're really good. Um, but yeah, so that is a bulk of like the, you know, the ideas that are going into the idiot as she's writing them. Um, yeah. And also like the things that I love about this book. On, in a broad sense, on an overview, uh, and that is that's why it is no surprise that the idiot was uh, a finalist for the 2018 Pulitzer Prize for Fiction. Uh, currently, okay. she's writing her third book, which is possibly the book that I mentioned earlier that she's trying to write about being a journalist in Turkey. Uh, but you know, uh, we'll never know until. It comes out, I guess. It comes out. <laughs> yeah, whenever that, whenever that happens, we'll be waiting at least. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah! Um, should we get into the book? Hell yeah! Okay, so this book is divided into two parts, uh, which makes it very easy for us to like examine structurally. The first part of the book is basically the school year, and the second part of it is her summer in Europe, basically her summer in Eastern Central Europe. Um, Here we go again. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, it, again, very <laughs> These damn summers in Europe. We saying again to like uh, reference once more our first season. Like it's it's interesting how like almost all. I mean, arguably, you would say that, almost all. I mean, ar- arguably, almost all. It wait, but involves like, some kind yeah. of European vacation. <laughs> Even Maddie's. Yeah, I was gonna books. say actually, literally, <laughs> like they they vacation in Turkey. So, so they, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's literally it. I mean, not, not, <laughs> not for leisure, that's for not sure. Not present day. Oh, oh that's boy. true. It, oh, yeah. sirs. Yeah, so like... It was 12 years in Turkey. Yeah, 12 years in Turkey. It was a long, it was a long summer. 
um, <laughs> for uh, Patroclus and Achilles both. But um, yeah, like it, 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 like it features this travel that is not necessarily like it's definitely not like the summers for we've leisure. seen in Sally's books, where those ones um, for one hundred percent sure is just people lounging around or going to yeah. art galleries. Um, and yeah. like you see her like kind of like living in this rural village in Hungary, uh, where mm-hmm. she spends time with different families and getting to know the community. So part one, as you mentioned, is about the school year, and it starts specifically very much dating this whole book and this era. Is she receives her email, and it like at the time it feels like this realm of infinite possibility, which mm-hmm. which I think the way that pays off throughout the first part is that it kind of reestablishes the epistolary form like you know like how nobody writes letters <laughs> to right. each other nowadays but i think what yeah. because of like technology obviously we text each other nowadays like that's how far it's come but like i think you know what what the point of this opening is to say like you know when email first hit it felt like they reinvented the wheel in a way that was actually exciting like suddenly we could write letters to each other again in a way that felt, like, interesting and new. Yes. And, like, she's kind of, like, unsure of, like, what to do with this ability, especially as she's, like, meeting different people. Like, she gets to know her roommates. She goes to... uh, She sees, like, one of her friends who she met, like, in late high school. And, like... Yeah, Ralph, who she's, like, not sure about. Like, she, she's not sure she's interested in him, or she's like, I think he's gay, but I'm not 100% sure. And then he kind of, like, refutes that in, impl- implicitly. So she's, like, really not sure about him. Um, and then also she, like, takes, like, her different classes. Like, she knows that she wants to be a writer, so she takes a lot of classes that are related to language. Um, as well as, like, Constructed Worlds was, like, I remember a seminar that she ended up trying out for and she got into it. But she also takes, like, a beginning Russian class because she knows she likes Russian literature. So she feels like, hmm, it might, it might help me to be able to read the Russian in the original language, which is how she meets... Um, that's how she meets Svetlana, who becomes, like, sort of her best friend throughout the novel, and mm-hmm. Ivan. And I think these are, like, the two... We, we should say, like, the two central... Or, like, the two biggest relationships that, like, pervade the whole novel, right? Yep. Uh, maybe they're like, the main ones. Yeah, like we should probably character characterize them. Like, um, Svetlana. Svetlana is a lot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. How, yeah. What do you think? What are your thoughts on Svetlana? <laughs> she is a lot. <laughs> um, like it's so funny because when you read her dialogue, mm-hmm. it's I mean, like it's not even dialogue; it's yeah. just her talking. Um, <laughs> and I think that should say a lot about her already because she, she, she. She's Serbian, right? Yeah. And like she, so she, and her dad was arrested? Question mark. I think. So, I don't yeah. know. Like, uh, but that like it was a very turbulent time, yeah. as we know, in the Eastern Bloc, and um, so they were greatly affected by that Tao. And she talks about it super nonchalantly, though. Yeah. Um, but it's very evident then that like she is like part of the bourgeoisie. Yeah. Um. Because, like, she always wanted to pay, like, for, like, their food and stuff. Or, like, right, if they were right, hanging out. Right. Um, 
and and she would just casually say shit like, um, no, it's okay. I have a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd be like, all right, who says that? <laughs> like, in some ways, you're like, okay, we get that, like, you're foreign and also, but, like, you can clearly speak enough English that you know what you sound like. Yeah, she's so almost why like would the Baron Zemo of the whole thing. Yes! I was about to say, she she kind of Baron Zemo'd this. And it's her just being like, no, it's no big deal before, you know, the fall of everything. Yeah, um, yeah. We were kind of really living it up but anyway um, let's get in my which is kind of what she go to Paris. yeah exactly and the way she describes that a whole experience at one point of their house being raided yeah and and how afterwards the mom's reaction was just that she was pissed that their house was raided yeah. and not even the fact that there was like a political upheaval yeah. or something like that and i was like okay she's super burgess and obviously that that whole kaburgisan yeah um extends to when they're in Europe Naren. right right so it, it also gives um, her like at, le- at least in that first part like the sense of confidence that is almost like aggressively assertive like she's always like yeah kind of telling Celine what to do Celine is the main girl yes um but like if yeah I feel like we didn't mention yeah we her. did we not say that yeah. oh, okay yeah I don't, like I think we just like went in with the assumption like we're talking about Elif but like yeah but, like, yeah yeah the main no, character's name is Celine. Celine and like um like she's sort of assertive towards Celine in a way that like whenever like Celine like expresses like an opinion, Svetlana's like very like she's very contra with it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, she, like parang one of those na she listens for the sake of reacting. Yeah, yeah, and not necessarily to actually learn something. Yeah, yeah. Which, like she engage, yeah. he she clearly engages for that reason and not yeah. necessarily to converse. Have you ever seen uh the Whit Stillman film The Last Days of Disco? No. No. Okay. You keep telling me to watch I, this. Yeah. But I yeah. I, I guess I do then. <laughs> but like um, <laughs> no, but like but I always forget, I'm so if sorry. If you watch that you see it, it reminded me a lot this relationship between Svetlana and Celine. It reminds me a lot of the relationship between Kate Beckinsale and Chloe Sevigny in that movie. Mm-hmm. Where Chloe Sevigny is always right. like trying to like express something, and Kate Beckinsale's like, "No, don't do that. That's stupid." And then she goes and does the opposite yeah. thing, but then like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you know, like you know, in a way, it sort of makes them seem almost like hypocritical, but in a way yeah. that they are too, I guess, non-assertive to like call out in the other person. Right, right, right. So like that's that that ends up like exposing a lot of like she ends up becoming like this interesting foil for Selin in a way that. It kind of like provokes Selin to like be like, I should be more assertive. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I, I have opinions, and like she was even describing yeah. like the difference between now and when I was in high school is that in high school I had so many opinions, but because high school is high school, it felt like a prison, so I couldn't express anything. And I mm-hmm. had grown up thinking that college was going to be the place where I could express all my opinions and everything I felt. And now that I'm here. Every opinion I'm like, expressing is being shot down at the gate by yeah. the only person who wants to spend time with me. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Or alternative, similarly enough, even with her roommates. Yeah, yeah, because... yeah. Her roommates, because they don't, they don't really feel like they want to be like friends with her. They just like have to deal with the reality of her. That, that of them living together. Yeah, of them living together. And, yeah. uh, okay, we're just gonna rotate rooms. They're, they're the, that type of roommate where they're just like, yeah. okay, let's just negotiate on the most peaceful way to coexist, cohabit, yeah, but yeah. but otherwise, yeah. like, our friendship will be like probably just like on a superficial level, and we'll probably not, yeah, exactly, you know, get that deep into it, uh, which exactly. is the case. Um, yeah. So that's, that's. I thought it was cool though that like her roommates were. 
I mean, almost everyone. Yeah, like, almost so, everyone is POC. POC. Yeah, basically. Yeah, like absolutely. Like e- even if you consider like Sina, like the East Eastern European kids. Yeah, they're Eastern Europeans. I mean, so yeah, yeah, that's like yeah, another sure, level sure. of you know. Like I, I they're mean, not like, exactly white. I don't. I don't have like a hundred percent like confident grasp on it. But like my understanding, and this was something that she also kept alluding to between the Turks, the Turkish, and the Hungarians, is that there is a lot of there. There's like a, this deeper relationship that goes back historically between the two wow. countries to the point that like you like, know, like medieval it, times like i mean like it yeah yeah and like to the point like like in the novel she was like making allusions to how their languages are quite similar connected even if they oh. look different superficially yeah but like um there is a deeper connection like foundationally runs, yeah that runs between them both which is part of what yeah. endears sell into ivan um uh. But like you know, like even though like you know, there is that that yeah that sense of like them being like somewhat whiter, like mm-hmm. there is that deeper. I was actually like thinking uh like the fact that she keeps referencing like the relations between Hungary and Turkey in like the Middle Ages, like almost mm-hmm. felt like that meme that's been going around of like how <laughs> Ellen Ellen getting cancelled because of nine <laughs> eleven. Yes. Because, because of <laughs> No today she's cancelled all because of Gerard Way saw nine yeah. eleven yeah. happen. And then that went all the way back to Napoleon, Napoleon. breaking out right. of Waterloo. <laughs> <laughs> Which like I you know like now one of my top three memes of all time. That's but honestly same. So that's a great fucking meme. But like like extending also to here, it's almost like the the Turkey and the Ottoman Empire and Hungary, <laughs> you know, like this and that, and then like it leads exactly. up to like uh, to Elif too. going to Harvard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so like I I, I love I love that. I mean, like you know, it's one of those things where like oh, like in fact, you might even say because wasn't the Ottoman Empire? I'm gonna fact check this first before I continue talking because I don't want to do be this bit? super wrong. But like, wasn't, wow. Go ahead. wasn't the Ottoman Empire? Let me just double check. I'm just like holding on here. I can oh remove my God. this. I'm so nervous for what you're going to say. Um, nope, nope, nope. I'm probably wrong. I'm probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. Can you ask the question anyway? Then just edit it out. I want to hear what you want to. Because like I was gonna me. say. Wasn't the Ottoman Empire like um, related to the empire that um, invade that um, that invades not the They're yeah the the, the one that invades Greece in three hundred <laughs> Constantinople wasn't it no, like Sina Xerxes? Where's Xerxes from? I don't think it's the Ottoman Empire. He was oh no okay so he Xerxes was the fourth king of kings of that. Of the Ottoman Empire? Of the Achmanid Empire, also called the First Persian Empire. Uh, oh, so Persia. Yeah. Right, so Persia. So, so technically, okay. <laughs> if you want to bring the meme <laughs> that far back, you can say, like, Xerxes decides to conquer yeah. like, a good part of Asia Minor. <laughs> exactly. So, to, to literally one of the largest continents yeah, in yeah. Asia Minor. I mean, countries in Asia Minor. And... Like, and and in 1995. But if you if you extend that also to Greece, then you're able to include um, Greece, um, decides, Greece decides oh. to invade Troy after Helen is yeah. kidnapped. Yeah, so there, we exactly. made the connection to uh, Madeline Miller. To all our books. And, yeah, so, basically. 
Um, okay, but that was a fun tangent. Um, again, so that's stressing how little I really know about um, uh, Eastern European Eastern history Europe? and the, the things that have been going down there. Uh, but yeah, that's what drives the connection. And so let's segue yeah. into her and Ivan. <laughs> you got this. So Ivan's Hungarian and he's an older student. Like he's in his last years at Harvard. But he's still he's taking he's still taking beginning Russian, so that's how they meet. And like the thing between the thing about Ivan is that you don't kind of like register him first as being like somebody who's going to be important in the story. He's kind of just a classmate. Yes, that's very true. Yeah. yeah, in the beginning I didn't see that coming. Also, right. But the thing that sort of brings them together. I thought it was going to be the teacher. Sorry. Oh really? <laughs> I thought it was going to be that art teacher at first. I mean, I hey, this, oh, no. this isn't going to be like a Mamma yeah, Mia. Yeah, exactly. Two. Like it wasn't going to start Mamma Mia Two style with her singing "I Kiss the Teacher," but like no. um, the the them kind of just being friends is a consequence of what they go through in that Russian class. So yeah. I, this is also a good place to explore the story that they end up following throughout that semester, which is called Nina in Siberia. And it's roughly about um, this woman in Russia who gets abandoned by her lover, uh, who who is also, I think, named Ivan, wasn't he? Yes, yes. And then he ends up going to like this research camp, and he doesn't explain why, he just leaves in a rush. And so Nina goes to Siberia to follow him and find out, like, what's hey, what's the deal? Why, why didn't you like have a yeah. proper conversation with me before leaving? And like her yeah. life ends up going a different way, where she ends up also becoming a researcher at a different part of the research camp, and she ends up becoming like this uh, at least statewide known physicist who mm-hmm. like has her own career that is very separate from how it started. Which very much mirrors, I guess, the structure of this novel, where it's like helps to set yes. out, like, in a meta contextual, in a meta textual way, the way that we're supposed to interpret what's happening to Selin. Mm-hmm. Because like, there's a Correct. point where I remember she had like uh, had to do like a graded recitation, where she had to recite or like she had to pretend to be. Nina. They had to reinteract, reinter- uh, yeah. reenact the whole thing. But like, there was a there was a point where she was saying, "Cause like, you know, she would re- say things as as Nina, but then she would also say something oh, self, yes, I know se- something self deprecating to show that yeah. she was aware that Nina's situation was so miserable, and then the teachers would laugh. Yeah. And it was kind yeah. of like also like that signal to me, like this is Elif pointing out that she knows that she is pointing out the misery. Of Selin's situation yeah. as an idiot in college, and yeah. we're laughing obviously, but that's also because yeah. like what what like she deconstructs like the reasons that we laugh at that. Nah, it's us recognizing like yeah, this is an absurd situation. Nobody should have to go through this, and yet it just happens. Like, like right, it, it almost right. like diffuses the tension of the idiocy for us to be all able to say like, good, you see it too. Like that, yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> Yeah, right. this is insane shit. Yeah. yeah, and so like that's like kind of like her attitude towards that story going throughout the whole semester, and eventually, um, as she's like interacting more with Ivan in that class, she decides like, hey, maybe I should start writing emails to him too. And the first email she writes to him, she writes as if she were Nina in Siberia, writing to the Ivan right. in that story. Like she does mm-hmm. a little role playing, and like he's like. 
taken quite fancifully by that. So he responds in a way that she has Ivan. Yeah, he, yeah, and and it's a way that like sort of feeds into her thinking like, oh, this this is going somewhere. So she like keeps like writing all these emails where he responds with very challenging answers that don't feel all that coherent. But she just like mm-hmm. thinks like, oh, there's this underlying sense of mystery that is sure. coming through with this guy, and I have to know more about him. So I'm gonna keep email him, emailing him. I'm gonna keep being frustrated. But we're him. never gonna talk in person. Yeah, like that's the that's the big point of this like relationship in the first part of the novel is that most of the relationship is not them hanging out; it's them just emailing each other, and like yeah. like that being the bulk of their relationship gives them grounds to like compare it to when they do actually hang out, especially in the latter half of the first part, um, mm-hmm. where it's like suddenly like. You know, they, 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 they struggle to, like, find things to say to each other, but are happy to find that when they get it going, like, they can really talk. Like, there's about, like, yeah. a part later on in, in part one where they end up, like, staying up till 5 a.m. and they're just talking in his apartment, in his dorm room. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, there's that, there's that room where, like, or, like, there's so much, like, grounds for them to, like, start a fruitful relationship and that's sort of what leads um Selin to say like yeah I probably have a crush on this guy and the thing is like the fact that he's older means that his moving away from Harvard is imminent and so yeah. she's aware of the fact like oh okay at some point he's going to have to make the decision of whether he wants to stay in the east coast or if he wants to go to the west coast where he spends like the winter break mm-hmm. and like um like he might stay in California, so she's like kind of like feeling tense about that, even though like like older readers for sure will know like there's no way he's gonna choose to stay on the east coast if he, yeah exactly. if he has already that professional interest in the west coast right? yeah um and also the fact that he made the effort to go there now yeah exactly so to check it out so like yeah. and like he's got all this like plans like lined up for himself about how he wants to carry out his research career and he's studying math by the way like. Whoa! Yeah, he's a mathematician. You know? So, like, for him to like be this serious and like to have it all laid out, like, there you know, like, oh, this is just gonna spell imminent. Yeah, doom for this her. dude is. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but the other, yeah. the other interesting point about their email relationship is that it also like blinds her to certain aspects of his personality or his like status that you know, like, are heartbreaking for her to discover, mm-hmm. like. When she finds out the way she finds out that she ha- he, that Ivan has, a, has girlfriend. a girlfriend, um, first like he references it in an email, and she's like, "No, it can't be true." And like, yeah, I think I I think like she quickly resolves that by finding out like, "Oh, he meant like a friend or an ex girlfriend." But then yeah. it's when they're hanging out in person one time where they're like walking around the campus, and then Ivan's just like, "Oh, hey, this is my girlfriend, Eunice. Let me introduce yeah. you." Yeah. And it's like, what the hell, man? <laughs> you know, so weird. And and like, yeah, it like it opens her up to this possibility. Like, is my relationship with Ivan possibly illusory? Yeah, because yeah, the she has that. Um, she has that one conversation where she uh, meets with a psychologist who tells her like, "Hey, you know." I, I, I think the way you're thinking of Ivan right now might be like a figment of your imagination, which like uh, Selin like reacts mm-hmm. very strongly to. It's like like in her head she's like, "How dare you? You, you like 
like what do you mean a figment of my imagination like he's a, a real person like i i've seen him i've gotten replies from him you know like all these things where she's like responding without outbursts but then like the psychologist goes to explain but, everything in a way that feels like very rational yeah no parang, well if you think that i mean like the fact that they didn't they don't really talk much yeah like you were saying that there's so much of him that was so hidden yeah. So she was able to like build this different person in her head. Yeah, like parang only she for, say, like someone else to unravel. Like it, it's to the point that like the emails almost constitute this barrier that for you you think is the perfect friendship where there are no mistakes. Right. But the the fact of the matter is that when you meet him in person, you will make mistakes. And part and a big part of friendship is being able to make mistakes that don't matter. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, so, Correct. And, and, like, she's kind of, like, unsure of, like, how to handle that. But, like, like us reading it as we're older, we're like, hell yeah, that's true. Like, <laughs> yeah. like the most sensible thing. <laughs> like, you have Literally to Literally, leave him. Like, Celine, you gotta know <laughs> that's how it is, yeah. right? Um, but, yeah, and, like, like, she ends up, like, committing all these missteps on the way where, like, in one of her emails, she, like, declares her love for Yvonne. And Ivan's mm-hmm. not sure how to respond to that, and especially after Ivan introduces him, her to his girlfriend, she's yeah. like, you know, just forget about it. Like, you know, like he, like they, they kind of have this falling out, this misunderstanding. Yeah, they like fight, right? They basically, basically fight. Yeah, towards the end. over email. Over which... email. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Oh man, <laughs> the there 90s. was never a good place to fight, uh, as we, yeah. the, the Twitter natives, <laughs> can tell you. Yeah. <laughs> The Twitter natives, the Twitter generation, the Twitterborns. Yeah, the bad Twitterborns. Um, <laughs> we made yeah. ourselves sound like back then. You couldn't screen cap. Yeah, at so, all, at all. Instagram would. If, he, if she wanted you. to show someone, Instagram used to be a She'd snitch. have to print it. It's. it's oh yeah, which also like that's, that's a weird true. thing. Isn't that the weird thing? A weird detail that they point out about the internet back then was that you could find out where a person was based on their email address. Like. She would do that what? where she would like type his email in like a server and it would say last logged on in California <laughs> or something like that. You remember oh, that? Oh, okay. I for some reason for some reason I didn't find that odd. Maybe I didn't find it odd because technically you could I kind of remember that happening. Oh, okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I think yeah. you could do that on multiply. Sorry oh, for saying really? that, okay. but like I think there I don't remember it. Yeah. Something like that, or or on Sanga. Do you remember Sanga? Did you ever I've use never, Sanga? I've never, I've never heard of that at all. Oh, okay. Sanga was also like a, it was like pre Tumblr. Oh, okay. And it was like a, it was like a blog space also. Yeah. And I think you could, when you wrote a blog, you could. There was like a, uh, what do you call this? A note. Uh, what do you call this? You could like put a check on if you wanted to share your location or whatever. I see, I see. Okay, but so see, that I one, think... you can at least, like, indicate your consent to have your, your location. Right. Shown. Maybe that's the change of it now. Right, like, that yeah, evolution yeah. is, you can consent to it. Whereas, but... like, yeah, this one is very explicitly, yeah, like, Celine is doing this without Yvonne knowing. And knowing, it's what gives yeah. her comfort, but Yvonne doesn't know that. Which is, like, the yeah. weird imbalance also of their relationship. But, like, yeah. That was the internet back then. It was, it was literally yeah, the man. Wild West, man. <laughs> Anything could happen. They could location tag. Can, can I also and... say how weird it was that there was a time in our lives, like we're we're part of the generation where there was a time where we actually had lessons about this is how about you computers? turn on the computer. Literally, now, yeah. Click, I was shut thinking down, about that Click okay. <laughs> that was a seat work, and that was a seat yeah, work. Like, like it's weird Crazy. thinking like. 
oh, kids have it so easy now. They just literally put the computer to sleep or whatever, but they don't like necessarily shut down in the formal way we yeah. can. Or like they're not warned, like if you shut it down yeah. the wrong way, it's gonna lose it. You know, like that, that was such oh, a Oh, you're gonna lose your shit. I know. Such an way of reacting I to know. the computer. So yeah, the nineties. I, 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 sorry, just to go back, like just real fast is like, what do you call this? Um, I can't remember. Oh no, it was with Mags, right? Like we were talking about mm-hmm. like how the difference between um, like us and like Gen Z and stuff, and how they they also experience the internet. Like we were saying that we used to have classes where we would have to you know turn on and turn off computers yeah because that was a thing that we all did before yeah, yeah. and you had to and and before like Mar- mags mentioned this also in a parang when you had social media and stuff it would log out automatically yeah. if you left yeah or you would just do it yourself whereas now like everything is just there all yeah. the time you, you, I, I i almost wonder if that's gonna happen in future generations where you have the problem of somebody forgets to log off facebook on a on a on a school computer and so the next person to use the computer then has to log out for you but they have the opportunity to be able to go on your profile right. and say hey I'm a stupid person who forgot to log out of my account so this is a reminder to myself that I should always log out of my account yeah exactly but, Where <laughs> I don't know the internet is scary now internet <laughs> crazy like if it was somehow scary back then we were just ignorant now it's even scary. yeah like literally now it's literally worse children have too many rights on the internet as well. okay um, too, okay uh, so um wait we should also like mention like going to the lead-in to part two the the thing that provokes her um her journey eastward is that um there's there's some point where she decides like hmm, maybe i should get more like professional experience so Again, I'm still interested in learning about language, so I'm going to teach English to like uh, second language speakers, and like mm-hmm. almost all of the experiences she has teaching ESL or like she's also assigned to like, teach good. math. They're they're horrible. They're like yeah. like sometimes like for me, it's like wow, this is like traumatic. This is enough to turn off any person to the idea of teaching because it's exactly. just like the worst things that could possibly happen. In, right. in a teaching scenario, in a tutoring scenario where, like, the student just, like, ends up like spending the whole question, care. like, session questioning, like, what's the point if I have more important things to do? Or, like, mm-hmm. the student just, like, being very nonchalant about the fact that they didn't do the homework. Mm-hmm. Or, like, the student not being even matched to the level of the teacher. And, like, the teacher yeah. not being properly informed, so they don't, are not able to engage properly properly and yeah. so like eventually as she's getting closer to Yvonne Yvonne's like hey I actually have a friend who's like organizing um this summer camp where you can go to like rural villages in in Hungary and you can teach English for the summer and so she's like yeah okay I- I'll go for that and part of the reason that she also accepted accepts it is that she knows that Yvonne is planning to go to Hungary for the summer so she's like also like low key like well if I go not only will I be able to teach English but I'll still be close to Ivan in his home where that's like even mm-hmm. more intimate because it's literally I'll be able to see where he grew up and everything. Um, mm-hmm. So she accepts that, but that's also all before they have that falling out over the emails. Um, so she ends up just going to Hungary almost exclusively for the purpose of going 
do the um, summer camp, summer camp teaching. English. And that leads us into part two. Part dos. Of the book where it kicks off right away with her making first like side trips. Like the trip to Hungary is is bookended by like two side trips. One is that she goes to Paris with Svetlana and two other friends with Svetlana. Uh, which is, you know, that's its own mess in itself. It, that 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 one is more yeah. akin to like the Sally Rooney vacation. Yeah, yeah. Where, that was truly it. Yeah, where like, the fact that it's Paris too. Yeah, it's Paris, and like they stay in all these nice hotels, and they just go to like different yeah. art exhibits. It's literally a Sally Rooney vacation, and like Svetlana exactly. ends up staying with her friends uh, throughout the Western European countries, where they're just hitting up all the tourist spots, like. They end up in Venice, I think, is the last one that they visit. Um, mm. But, like, Selen's with them. And, like, even at the airport, it's already fraught with the tension of her falling out with Yvonne because she sees Yvonne at the airport and she finds out, like, oh, airport. we're going on the same flight. This is annoying. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because she had thought, because she didn't know that he was also going to go to Paris. Yeah, like, she thought he was going to leave on an earlier flight. But then... yeah. To go straight to Budapest, <laughs> but but this is also like a weird misunderstanding on her part, on the, on both of their yeah. parts, because the way he explained why he ended up being on the same flight there is like you forget I had to graduate. And it's like, yeah, he, yeah, that was a given, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like and how, was like, your graduation gift like, Paris? Yeah, like how did that affect your travel plans? Like you should have seen this yeah. like four years in advance. Like, <laughs> like, like it was it was sort of weird how he explained that that was the reason that he ended up leaving the, the same time that she did but like it helps right. to diffuse some of their tension and like they promise now when she arrives in Budapest um, she's gonna be able to like see him and hopefully they'll be okay in the doubt but until then it's Paris and like it's Paris time the nature of their time in Paris is very like I mean like Sile is kind of just like the fourth wheel because that's the what, fourth wheel. That's yeah, what's going on is like she was very outsider looking, right? Like Svetlana was there with like didn't she have an aunt who lived there also? Who's kind of yeah, like, that's where they were staying with, right? And, and and like the aunt was kind of like ruining her vibe, was ruining, yeah, ruining Svetlana because vibe. she was super tita. She was super tita yeah, like in the worst her way, get, like haircuts that mm-hmm. probably made her look worse in front of. The, the guy that she was sort of trying to get with, sort of, Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, it just makes... It, it gives Selin on one hand, like, the space to be like, okay, you know, I don't have to be involved in this on one hand. But on the other hand, maybe some people have it worse off than me and Ivan because <laughs> this is messy. Boy, yeah. It's messy. And, like, the fact that I won't be going with them all the way to through this summer... Is probably like part of the relief that comes there. It's like I I won't have to deal with this, but like at the same time, and this is something I really appreciated uh, as I was reading along. You see that from the moment they're in Europe, um, Selin's like already turning around on like the flaws that she had had in the first part. Mm-hmm. Like her relationship with Svetlana changes. In a way that they're yeah. able to converse more, rather than Svetlana just telling just with, yeah. Selena off, right? Where they're yeah. able to argue in ways that they can actually agree on their disagreements, and Selena doesn't feel like she's being put down by Svetlana whenever Svetlana questions something 
or like criticizes her for something, which is like that sign of like, mm-hmm. oh, the maturity is being accrued, which is also like the huge masterstroke of this book um, about it being more about that process of maturation that's happening over this one year than it is about the classes that she's taking or her course or this relationship with Ivan. But it's the subtle, the subtlety of her like growing up and what pain comes around yeah. with that. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that we should say about Paris, or should we just go straight to Budapest? Not much, because honestly, because it's very straightforward that part. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's really, in my opinion, it's really that much to just diffuse that tension that she feels at the end of part one, so that when she arrives in Budapest, you know things are okay. Um, and in fact, like Ivan is the one who picks her up at the airport. That's right. Right. So when she That's gets right. to Budapest. Um, she is picked up by Ivan, but luckily she's there with another teacher who's there part of the program. So it isn't just her and Ivan in the car, but like um, they go to the place where they're all, all the teachers are supposed to meet up. And then the mm-hmm. idea is that Dapat, they, um, Celine and Ivan were supposed to bring the bags of everyone to the hostel where they were going to stay. Uh, but because they had somehow arrived earlier than them, Ivan like suggests hey, I'm going to meet some friends after this. You want to come? And so then it's like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, why not? You know, like things things between us seem to be going okay. So let's go for that. So they're on the way and like Salen's feeling like, okay, we now have a semblance of our previous relationship because we're talking and the conversation's going good. But that's like tenuous and like their conversation doesn't like remain consistent. Like at some point they end up like disagreeing or like, he says something that's like low-key insulting to her and she feels like a yeah. little weird about it. Uh, not to mention yeah. that when she does meet his friends, they're all hanging out by the Danube River where she does feel that outsider status where, oh yeah, all of these kids... But it's... Sorry, yeah? No, I was gonna say, but it's like worse. Yeah, it's worse because like, um, cause, like they all are like math kids and they all speak Hungarian. Yeah. <laughs> and like she's like kind of just like yeah. like unsure about like her Hungarian abilities. So she's like, um, yeah. okay, uh, I'm gonna yeah. take a walk by I'm the river here. now. You guys can go play volleyball if you want. And so she's like not sure of like being there. Um mm-hmm. and like the whole time, like she she's trying as much as possible not to like open this up to Ivan, but Ivan can clearly mm-hmm. sense it. And but he doesn't know also how to respond to it either. So she ends up also confiding. Celine like ends up confiding in her mom, uh, who among the mom mother daughter relationships that we've examined in the past novels that we've read, this is one of the healthiest. Where like yes. Celine's like yeah. very open towards her mom. Like she tells her mom everything, and the mom's very yeah. non judgmental about it. And she's actually very like encouraging yeah. with her advice, like. Mm-hmm. Oh, honey, you know, men. Men. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, men. They are. They are men. <laughs> sometimes they are men. Right. You know, like, she's like, have a good time without him. It's fine. And, like, you know, it's easy to take that advice because right. um, after after that, um, that day, that the afternoon that they spend uh, by the Danube River with Ivan's friends, which eventually ends up becoming... Selin staying over in Ivan's house overnight and meeting his family, uh, she ends up going to the village where she's supposed to teach English. Mm-hmm. And like I, I wanna I wanna hear what you think about this because I feel like 
this part of the book, the part where she's spending in the village, is like the most removed from everything that's ever happened up until this point. But it's also yes. like the best part of the book. But yeah, I was about to say, but it's also the most because it's the most where she's by herself. Yeah, na. it's most. It's the most. And then, parang she can be a bit more introspective, right. I guess, about what she wants. And it's the one where she it's yeah. most tender towards herself without yes. beating Correct. her over the head about the stupidity about of some of the things stuff. that she does. Like, yes. like there is an advantage that the book puts her on as a people, oh because because these are like rural which is like a weird way of looking at it but it's like because these people are like rural people who are seeking her help she kind of has a mm-hmm. privilege over them but then right. it's also her being the outsider again and her learning to assimilate into the community status mm-hmm. that allows them to sort of become leveled out correct correct right and she because they both need to learn things from each other yeah exactly in such a way it's not whereas like with if she was doing ESL in um, the states it was very like not give and take yeah it was very just like her giving a lot yeah, and then yeah, like yeah. the students taking nothing whereas here it was more like oh I understand that you know the students were really like we right. asked for this and you know like that's part of also the I guess the the way that she learns that what the psychologist had told her about friendships was correct. Like, I, yeah, I realize, like, I've correct. been in a similar experience to this before, where uh, apart from, like, teaching, like, semester-long classes, there was a time where I was also teaching ESL classes. And the mm-hmm. ESL classes were always, like, harder to get, like, a grasp on because I was re- meeting them less frequently. But also because, right. like, apart from the language barrier, it was, like, really... Was that in school? You were teaching yeah, yeah, that in was. school? It was, yeah. Oh, um, I don't know why so I... I was, uh, okay, yeah, I was, it was very low-key about it. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, um, but, like, yeah, it was... Uh, it, you know, those... It was harder to, like, like build that connection except with, like, the students who already had that advantage of kind of knowing English more. So there was more of that mm-hmm. effort of trying to, like, connect between me and them. Uh, yeah. Whereas, like, at least with the students that I was teaching junior college, it was like, okay, we all have a common ground here. I can like make certain cultural references that will hopefully catch yes. your attention, and I will do my best to match those cultural references to the subject that I'm teaching. Correct. So, Correct. like, that one was like easier to build a relationship, and um, I think it helps also that for Celine, she while she's spending time in the village, she also has a dynamic experience in terms of who she's with at the time. Like, she lives with three separate families. And, like, the first one is, like, an older woman. Like, she's the mother of the household. And so she has that disposition towards Selin where she's like, oh, yes, I am an older figure towards you. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you'll get the hang of this place, basically. And then yeah. the second person that she ends up spending time with uh, is Ro- Ro- how, how did how did she pronounce it in the audiobook? Rose, I no, I didn't. This part I didn't read in audiobook. No. Oh, okay, so you don't. I know finished if it's, the second half in the yeah. You don't know if it's Rosha or Rosa or Ro- Rosa. I in or my Ro- head I was just going Rosa, Rosa, Rosa. Yeah, it's, it's spelled, either way it's spelled R O Z and an S with a little curlicue under A, and mm-hmm. um. Like, who is a little closer to her age group, but she's more, like, testy with Selin. And, like, yeah. bulk of that July portion of part two 
is Selin spending time with Rosha. Um, and her first being like kind of annoyed, like, oh, she's so she's so also assertive in a way in a way that's quite like Svetlana, where she's like, she she's trying to force this relationship between us, which goes against but every it's... attempt that I've made so far to try and make friendships with people. Yeah, but it's also what I think colors the the nature, the texture of their relationships. Like, well, she really wants to be friends with me. Right, um, I agree. And then, like, um, it's also during this time where she's able to like make amends with Ivan, because like at some point, they go back to Budapest to go to like a camp, and that's like a larger yeah, camp. Yeah, so they have to go back to his house also, right? Yeah. Or did I make that up? It's weird because like I I remember like when I got to that part about the camp, I was like I totally forgot like. Wait, this, was the structure that she was supposed to go to a camp by herself, or because like uh, why didn't she just stay in the village? So it was like very confusing. Yeah. To me. Um, yeah. But yeah, like she like up until the point that she reaches the camp, she's like negotiating about whether or not she should call Ivan, if she should right. like ask him to see her there in the village, or she should ask him to pick her up. Um, but it, that that they don't see each other again until she moves back to that camp that's closer to Budapest, and. Um, while they're together, that's like the period now where they're like finally making amends. Like, there's one scene where they basically do twenty questions. It's the most honest round yes. of twenty yeah. questions ever. Where he's like yeah. asking her everything. It's like, hey, why did you email me about being Nina in Siberia? And she's like, I don't know. I was curious to learn more about you, and I wanted to do it right. And he's like. Well, why did you tell me that you loved me in that one email? And she's like, I wanted to get your attention. It's like, well, it worked. <laughs> and then, like, uh-huh. you know, at the same time, she was also like trying to like clarify, like, um, why why are you this way with me? Like, it, it made it seem like you had planned the way that you revealed that you had a girlfriend rather than telling me up front, which made me feel very embarrassed. And it's like, yeah, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> like, he just ends up also apologizing, yeah. and she's like, okay, I I guess I accept that apology. And, like, that leads to them the day after, like, he stays, she stays over again in his house. Uh, oh, wait. I, they, they have that canoe ride. Right. Which is, That's like, right. A, it's a central scene, I think, in this book. Um, where they they meet up. They take a canoe ride going down the Danube River. And he keeps saying, like, oh, we should stop. There's I know where the stop is. I know exactly where we should stop. And then when they get to that stop, he's like, maybe we should stop like a few more like miles down the river <laughs> yeah and then like when they get a few miles down the river he's like oh this is not the stop that i was thinking we <laughs> so like yeah he was also lost yeah he's very lost and like he ends up like they end up parking the canoe on like a shoreline and he's like wait here i'm gonna look for a telephone and i'm gonna try to call for my mom to pick us up <laughs> Oh yeah, that's that's also where you remember that it's the nineties. Yeah, because yeah. you're just like, oh, they like, can't just yeah, like, they don't have cell tracking ask... or yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. There's like there's they like get a, Google Maps. It's it. recurring that she has to like buy tokens to be able to use a payphone in yeah. several places. Yeah. <laughs> damn. Oh, yeah, that whole thing about the payphone thing yeah. also. Which, Insane. by the way, that's one of the funniest things. Like, I I haven't mentioned this yet, but. Uh, it's evident, I guess, in the way we've been talking about this book. 
I think this is one of the funniest books I've ever read. Yeah. No, yes, I agree. I super love this book. It's so funny. And in the audiobook also, Elif is really funny. Really? Like oh, she's I don't listen she, to the her voice now. is so relaxed and she's, when she says the funny parts, yeah. it's nakakagulat I bet in a she's nice really, way. She's really, she must be so good at making cuento. Like she must be such yeah, a good person I feel to make like, with. I, yeah, true. <sighs> true. I'm going to listen to Elif, the audiobook. If you're still listening. <laughs> yeah, if you're, we love. We, you, would, we would love to get you on the show talking about. I don't yeah. know. Whatever you want. To <laughs> Let's have drinks. I don't know. Um, yeah. True. Anyway, so like, um, yeah, but like there was like when I, before we were recording, like I was reviewing my the passages I highlighted, and some of them are like so funny to read out of context. My mm-hmm. my favorite one, which made me laugh out out loud again, was that it was one letter that she had written to Ivan, where she was saying something like, "I'm, I'm looking for it." But she was saying something like, <laughs> well, I, I found it. Hold on. I'm getting to it. Give me a second. No. Okay. She says, uh, this is the passage I highlighted. And, and she was telling Yvonne in an email, my blood is going to be inside someone else's brain. <laughs> the blood that fuels my thoughts will fuel someone else's. What a strange penetration. <laughs> and, and I was like, what is she talking about? <laughs> This book, and that's the great thing I think is that it she's not afraid to make a girl so weird. Yeah, yeah. Which is which like she's clearly going her. through it. She knows that yeah, there's like she's mess in the strange stuff. Yes, truly, it's not weird in the sense that it's super off-putting. It's more just like girl. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, let's just. Uh, Hello. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just like, whoa, yeah. dude, or, <laughs> the 90s. Yeah, or like related to you are saying about payphones, one of the other things that really made me laugh out loud was like later when she goes to Turkey and like she's at the airport and she needs to make a call on the payphone. This guy who mm-hmm. she doesn't even know if he works in the airport, he comes up to her and he's like, he's explained and he her. asks for money. Like, right? like he explains I mean, to her like, first. He's like, you need a token to use the payphone. And then he explains the concept of token. Like, he mansplains it to her. Like, yeah. you don't understand. Like, it's not real currency. You only need it to call on this payphone. I can exchange yeah, the money like, for a, a token. And then he said, and then she's like, oh, I only have Hungarian money. And he's like, it's okay. I'm going to bring it to a money exchange. So you just give me the Hungarian money and I'll be able to exchange it for a token. And then she's like, Okay, uh, I don't know how much is appropriate, so I'll just give you this much amount. And he's like, thank you. I'll be right back. I promise. And then when he comes back, he's like, so it turns out they don't accept Hungarian money. Wow. <laughs> so funny. It's a, it's such a, it's a wild ride. Yeah, yeah. It is a wild ride. Uh, and some, it, some of it. And speaking of wild rides, going back to the canoe, like, um, she, they parked the canoe and then... She he ends up saying like that like I'm gonna look for a payphone. Can you wait here with the canoe? And she waits like a, such a long time that the police show up. <laughs> oh jeez, yeah, that's right. I totally so forgot crazy. about that. And the police are like, and, "Excuse me, are you homeless?" Is their first. <laughs> and then she's just like, "Okay." Yeah, she has to like convince them like, "No, my friend is looking for a payphone," and they're like, "Oh, good, very good," and they just kind of leave her alone without giving her any help. <laughs> Yeah, course, which typical. is the police, the right? Police. Yeah, part of me was like, oh, the police unhelpful again. Of course, as per usual, bastards. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But like eventually, like she gets, she waits for so long that she gets frustrated with Ivan, and she's about to leave. She even like prepares to write him uh, a Nina and Siberia esque note saying that she's gone to look for him. Uh, but then he shows up, and he's like, "You won't believe what happened. I was chased by a wild dog." <laughs> <laughs> going on <laughs> and she's just like and I was here being questioned by the police yeah can I also mention I just remembered one of my fun- favorite funniest out of context bits that came from the Nina and Siberia story itself was that when in the very start of the story when Ivan when the Ivan of that story leaves and Nina goes to Ivan's father to ask him like I need information like can I talk to the uncle who he's supposedly staying with and like the oh, father is like, like, like no, like he, I haven't spoken to him in years. He's like, please, I need to find out what happened to Ivan. And then, and then, and then he's like, okay, here's his number. Yeah, and, and and but like as he's giving her the number, he says something like, first my wife, then my son. Yeah, then my son. <laughs> and then that made me think that yeah, part of me is like that made me think, wait. Did the wife run away with the brother? But it's also like, it's so funny. Yeah, and it's so funny that they would include that in a story that ends up being used as an instructional yeah, guide as for a, beginning for, for, yeah, exactly. And the, also, there's another part for the, in the second, I really like the Nina story, by the yeah, way. Like, so if we good. were to just extract that part in itself, so good. Yeah. Um, but I like the part where she called... I don't know why I found this funny, but like it was kind of funny to me. Am I yeah. heartless? Where she was <laughs> calling the farm. Yeah. And then and then they and then the person who answered the ba was like, Hi, welcome to <laughs> like she says something like it's like if you were calling Ayala Mall <laughs> okay. and the person who answered was sorry, I'm just thinking of that now because I saw the mall on my window. Yeah. Um but the person who answered was like, Hi, this is SM <laughs> And then you're just like, Uh, is this not the number for Ayala? And it's like, No, how may I help you? And then she's like, Have you? And then and then she just goes, Uh, is there a person there named Ivan? What's his name? And then the lady just goes, No, never heard of it. And then hangs up. And then you're kind of just like, Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> what just happened? Like, like it's so funny because in that story, like it seems like something sketchy is going on, like He's, yeah, he's, he's exactly. like embroiled in this conspiracy of the government to like work on something secret, but then like Correct. by the end, Ivan actually goes back to Nina and he's like, "I'm gonna explain to you everything that went down. It was actually less crazy than you think and much simpler." <laughs> yeah, I actually just liked someone else. <laughs> yeah, it was really. I, I, you have to know, I was having an affair while we were together. Yeah, and like it's, it's been it's long not the government; it's, it's me. It's really me, and I wish I had the balls to tell you, but. Because <laughs> oh, I, I have regrets, I have bo- I have and no then balls. she <laughs> no balls. Exactly, I ha- I have no balls. That's it. And the great part of that is her just going like, you know what? It's fine that you don't have balls because now I love someone else, and also I'm more successful than <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So the end. Which again mirrors in a way like what's going on here with the Canusian, which in itself is a bigger reflection of the relationship between Ivan and Celine throughout the entire novel. Because when he right. comes back and he has the explanation, like, I was being chased by wild dogs. It, w- it was actually m- much simpler than you had made up in your head. Then you had, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And she's just like, oh. like, oh. yeah, I guess so. Okay, well, there's nothing to be mad about. Let's go call your mom then. <laughs> the um, police went that yeah, way. Yeah, the police went that way. So they basically have that. And then um, after she stays over in his house one more time, kind of getting to know the family. 
who they will also be going on a canoe trip in Western Hungary at some point. Um, she she goes with him because he's supposed to make her hatid. Uh, sorry, is it hatid yeah. or sunda? Well, he's gonna drop her off. Yeah, hatid, hatid, hatid. I literally was like, what? He's dropping her off at the campground again. And on yeah. the way, they... Start. Sorry, just so we're clear, Sundo is pickup. Okay, got it. Making sure. Yeah, because yeah. I remember hearing yeah. that word a lot as a kid growing up. Because I was being Sundo all the time. Um, anyway. Anyway, enough of that tangent. Um, so, uh, on the way back to the camp, um, Selen uh, realizes, because they stopped by the Thai, the Thai embassy, um, and she realizes, like, oh, right, because after this... Ivan's gonna end up going to Thailand, and then after he's in, mm-hmm. and then like he's also gonna be in no Japan. No, Japan isn't it Japan? No, but don't they also ah, go okay, to the yeah. Thai embassy? They yeah, yeah. Like, you're right. Like, you're he's right, gonna right. do like an Asian trip. Yeah, yeah. Like he literally does. Of. Yeah. And then after <laughs> that, he's already told her that he's gonna go to California and forever. So he rea- she realizes yeah. then at that moment, like, oh, this like, is the last time I'm gonna see him in a long time. Like. Yeah. I'm, I, there's a very huge possibility I'm there was never room again. for me yeah like yeah. this is it this is the end of the line for us but yeah um wow <laughs> sorry I, I sorry I, I realized I shouldn't wow. have said that in light of <laughs> the fact that I'm also gonna say another thing uh, yeah at the end of it <laughs> which I'll get to in a bit I have things to say about that by the way but okay go ahead okay but um, like so like she's realizing like oh my god yeah it's gonna be the last time and she doesn't like really address it until like they actually have to part ways at a beachfront where mm-hmm. the camp has supposedly gone for the day and he's like kind of reassuring us like hey you know we'll always have email but by this point you can tell that she's obviously lost faith in it and like for her this yeah. is it this is gonna be right the last time and at the point it. you can't you can't like you know judge her because like no one really knew what was going to happen yeah, to email. Right, right, like exactly. everyone kind of just thought that not everyone was going to get this anyway. Yeah, so. and, and by the way, like, can we just like point out like that, like even feels more poignant now knowing that how easily, right. how easily social media yeah. connects us to people that we have not been in touch exactly. with. Like I can just tell a person like, Hey, exactly. no, like, like, okay. And I think this is a good segue, yeah. but like you were on a podcast recently with <laughs> our friend Martin and you didn't know that, Pre-COVID, yeah. Martin had moved to Brazil. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and, um, and so the po- he was doing the podcast from Brazil while you and Leon were here in the Philippines. Yeah. And, I wasn't um, even sure if the other so host, Jao, was here also in Cebu. or if he was in, I think he was in Manila. But then, like, I, he's from here also, so I, I wasn't sure where he was. He's from Cebu, you mean? Yeah, yeah, he's from Cebu. But I wasn't sure if he was here okay. or in Manila. But anyway, like, right. yeah, yeah. Very Either much way. that. Very much that. But, yeah. like... That's why now that she's like disillusioned about email, she's like, mm-hmm. no, we're never going to see each other again. This is it. This is like exactly. the poss- quite possibly the last time I ever see you and our roads will diverge like uh, mm-hmm. wildly. And like she doesn't make a big deal out of it. She just like, you know, looks at him and she's like, all right, later. Bye. And he's like, wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and he's like that later. That was a good that yeah. Okay. Later. later. Alright. <laughs> Stop saying later. Okay, we get later. it. In case if anyone gets the reference, let's not say what it is. Yeah, yeah, let's just like leave it at that. I mean like he doesn't like he doesn't call her by her name or anything. He just, right. he just says later. 
later. Yeah. And yeah. kind of it. And she kind of just like walks around a bit until he disappears and then she cries. <laughs> oh mm-hmm. boy. And I was like, and, oh man, this oh, is, is, is this my that? <laughs> say, yeah, is exactly. That's what he told me. He, towards the end of reading the book, he was like, is this where I'm at? Is this my call me and, by yeah. name? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to point out though, I wanted to say that this is so much better than obviously so much better than call me by your name okay and because i'm at this point also where i have given up on call me by your name right and as we all should we should all move away from that because it was really such a time that you know we thought it was great and then after a while we're like oh actually this is disgusting yeah there so were, yeah. we're okay. not there okay. anymore there were two but, things there were two, two things in vogue in the <laughs> mid-2010s hamilton and call me by your name and, and that's true it happened in the, literally the same year and now we just cannot stand either of those things for hard. multiple reasons hard, it's very hard. hard difficult so difficult and but then like i do get that when you were saying when you were saying that this was your comment by your name i was not at the same point with you yet yeah so i didn't really get it i was that's why i thought in the beginning it was the teacher because right. i was like this is what he means um but then now oh, I understand. And okay. you know, that whole right, sentiment. Right, right, right. Yeah. That, that whole sentiment is still... I mean, I don't know. If we were to say one good thing about Call Me By Your Name, you know, you can't deny, Din, that the kind of raw emotion that was evoked in for that sure, novel... For sure, was, was It's still so heavy I mean, and like, it's so yeah, strong. The, the, the circumstances of that are different because also the fact that he's experiencing yeah. this as an adolescent, like he's growing into adulthood and he's learning like, yeah. oh, I should actually be the solution with the first love whole thing. And yeah, like, exactly. This one is like a different context, also because like, um, like, <laughs> and this is something that's funny about the book. <laughs> I mean, not really, but mm-hmm. but maybe it is. I don't know. You decide. Uh, okay. Is that um, uh, somebody came up to Elif Bataman and it's like, hey, they ne- they never have sex in this book. There's literally <laughs> nobody ever has sex in this book. What's what 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 happened? What's the problem? What, what's going on? What's the wing? What's the deal? What's the deal? You gotta and tell you. Yeah, exactly. And I actually think, I, you know what, I didn't know, really realize that also until the end. And I, even though they had that whole, she and Svetlana have that discussion in the beginning about losing their virginities. Yeah. Um, I think that the fact that you, you don't know if Svetlana ever does and right. you know for sure that I mean, not ever does, like in the book, in the... At least know, in the context does, of, but like, of yeah, the <laughs> I mean, or not, she can do what she wants, it's 2021. First, first narrative. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, and you know that they, she, she, uh, what's her name? Selin and uh, Yvonne don't even kiss at yeah. all, but they have a breakup anyway. That's still like, I find that to be just as impactful as if, you know, they, as... Uh, how kind of coming by your name made me feel before when I didn't know anything about right. coming by your name, uh, and I feel like because especially I think in coming by your name the sex was just very you know to add to yeah. all the confusion and the rawness yeah, of it all. Yeah. And I think if she had added it here, I think the context is also different because um, a lot of times you know when you have like sex scenes with like oh. girls and stuff that's also difficult. I think especially. I mean, like, I would trust Elif to do it, but also I don't think she's the kind of person who would, yeah. you know, put that in a scene and in some kind of way, uh, to, to put that unnecessarily. Yeah. And I think either way, it would have not mattered because in the end, uh, the outcome would have been the yeah. same. But I think it would have, it still makes it better that it just didn't happen I, because that's yeah. not the, because you wouldn't want to be m- make that part of the pain. Like right, in Lady no, exactly. Bird, you know? Like in Lady Bird, when that, like, obviously... I like how it was done in Lady Bird, though. And that was very important 
in in Lady Bird's, you know, yeah, like, and it's to be more coming of age thing. Exactly. Whereas her this coming of age was so different in a lot of ways than that it didn't that that I feel like if they had had sex it would not have yeah. served the purpose. I think in the, And it would have just made Ivan look worse and he looks so yeah, bad exactly, already as right, it is. No, exactly, exactly. So like it, it's it was fine. almost like I was, I was like, Exactly, and it's like I get it. He's bad, and I was gonna say um the one th- the other big thing that call me by your name and this have in common, I guess, is that um in the end uh men ain't shit. So <laughs> Wait, yeah, also <laughs> yeah, they're both graduate students. <laughs> also yeah, oh yeah, they're both graduate who, students who are there just it's, for the oh, summer. <laughs> who are there for the summer? Who have pl- Who who know that they're gonna go somewhere else? And have a whole life planned out yeah, for them and, somewhere else entirely. And the Mediterranean and, is involved um, in some way. In some way or form. So, uh, so yeah. Oh, um, man. Mad. So, if you go back to um, the Iliad, yeah. <laughs> it'll eventually lead you to yeah, the Mediterranean that, yeah. Sea in Italy. You know how that and, book famously um, also. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, true. Um, yeah, but like also going back to the <laughs> idea of like, there not being any sex in this book. Like, it also, like, harkened to something that she was saying in the Lit Hub article, if I remember correctly, where she was saying, like, you know, whenever there's, like, a sex scene, there's always, like, this consummation that's happening between the two characters, and you feel like, at the time, you feel like all the frustrations have been resolved in in this mm-hmm. one moment mm-hmm. where they're in agreement with each other, or not in agreement, or however that complicates yeah. or resolves the tension. And right. and I think it's very much to the advantage of this book that she chooses not to resolve any of those tensions in this way, and saying like yeah. the frustration physically, yeah, the frustrations that she feels with this guy, she's not gonna resolve by interacting with the guy. She's gonna resolve them yeah. by living in, on her own, living in a village that she's never gonna visit <laughs> in a ever again. With ever again, yeah, she's gonna remember for the rest of her life, but she's never gonna talk to, never gonna see them again, shape yeah. or form, as far as we know. Um, yeah. And as far as that reader of Elif is concerned, Elif said also later on, like, I'm writing a third book now, and don't worry, there's going to be plenty of sex in it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like, in a way that we Good explore her. the problematics of it. But yeah, like, wow. like, so you have that parting between, and like that whole idea of not wanting to go the usual route is also what informs the ending, because you would think mm-hmm. that if Ivan and Selin form like the heart of or the, the the thrust of this novel, the narrative thrust of this novel. It's interesting that she doesn't end the book there. Like there's still a whole other yeah. portion of part two. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. Selin has to of go to her Turkey, in Turkey. Right? Yeah. And yeah. like um that again provides room for the narrative to allow Selin to kind of diffuse attention. Like, okay, I guess I guess um, this is. I'm gonna still think about it. I'm still thinking about the fact that I'm now in a country that's halfway between um, California and Tokyo. Like the, those are two places. I'm now the midpoint, and I wonder yeah. if he's thinking about that. But then he never calls her. Like he never like gets in touch with her. So it like mm-hmm. kind of like gives her the message like he's done with me, right? Yeah. And like even while like she's in. Um, Turkey, she's like reckoning also with her family. So up until that point, like she had had such a healthy relationship with her mom, but then when she's with her family, it's like, 
all, all the worst. She's also outsider again. Yeah, it's all the worst things that you could expect to happen on a family vacation where all of them are gossiping about this one person who's there in the parties, an yeah. outsider. Uh, and like yeah. she can't seem to fit in with her age group because all of them are obsessed now with the idea of life happening to me. And like for Sydney, yeah. it's like she doesn't want that because ostensibly life it has happened, to her. happened to her. Yeah, already. and she's and like, guys, I can't. You 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 don't know what you're asking for. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Grab yeah. that, guys. When you know, you know. <laughs> when you yeah, truly, and like it ends in the most unusual place, which is that they go first to well, okay, like pre preempting the very end. She goes with her family to like this golf hotel, which is like in the swamplands in like Turkey. And it's like owned by this distant half relative of her grandmother. And like they go into the swamp area and they see that it's teeming with life. Um, and she kind of sees like her half cousin beat a snake to death. And it reminds her a lot of like St. George, who like was referenced earlier in the book. Because I think either Yvonne or somebody from the village was telling her the story of St. George and how there was like a popularized version of the story and how there's a real version of the story about how St. George actually killed the dragon that was plaguing this one town. And like that sort of like resolves something in her. Like there's like an instant turn. Like Mm -hmm. she she goes from being sick to being like, oh no, okay. Cured. Now the fact that I'm able to make these associations on a mental level means that I can sort of live on my own or like I can Mm -hmm. operate on my own independently of this experience that I've had, this harrowing interior experience I've had with Yvonne and with this first year of college. So the way the book yeah. ends is that when she gets back to Harvard in the fall, she j- just decides, like, I'm not going to be a ling- linguistics major. Like, no way yes. in hell. I'm never taking a philosophy of language class again because everything I learned in those classes, I absolutely disagreed with. And mm-hmm. the fact that I disagreed with them doesn't make me any stupid. Or it doesn't mean that I'm stupid. But it just means that I I have a different experience that maybe is not included in the popular theories that um, major that you know that white people that will, everyone white yeah. theorists will normally have because like she was right. saying like she actually was like leaning more towards like this one theory because it corresponded to her experience of speaking Turkish and being able to speak Turkish mm-hmm. all her life, but the other theory which she disagreed with, which I, which everyone else agreed with, seemed to work well in terms of English only, and so that was the commonly accepted yeah. theory. And it was her realizing, yeah. like, oh, I can actually disagree Racism. with the majority because, you know, I have a different experience. And so, you know, I have to be at peace with that. And that's how the book ends. ends. Wow. Good shit. Ah, good book. Man. Ah, I missed this. <laughs> cannot, I, I so good. truly cannot wait for our next novel. <laughs> oh, uh, well, me too. Oh because... Which is a multi-sensory. That's gonna be a multimedia experience. That one, but um, it is. This was so good. Uh, well, yeah, goes without saying. Uh, highly endorse this book. It is such a good book. Same. Shall we get? Uh, you want to do any last impressions before we do course listing? Or what are your thoughts? Um, like, coming out of the no, I just genuinely really like this one. Yeah. I really had fun with it. Yeah. It. It was good reading. I feel like I didn't say a lot, but I swear to God, I really like this book. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, it, it was really good, and it was really funny, and I'm interested to see more of Ellie. I want to read her essays Yeah, now, yeah. I'll because I, I I, generally... I, I can't imagine what she'd be like as an essayist. I mean, like, I can, but then, yeah. like, you know, I'd like to. Yeah, it, it's got that same tone of voice, but, like, 
And yeah, like the the fact that she's like referring. I mean, like those are different modes, but you'll see. It's it's enjoyable yeah. to read. Basically, she has the same humor. It's consistent. Okay, she's got a style. Um, we love. <laughs> yeah, we love it. So please, so please, Elif, if you're still listening, if you if you manage to go this far, know that you have fans in the Philippines. Yeah, exactly. This book is good. Okay, uh, course listing. Um, you want to start or should I? You can go first. Okay, so I uh, one thing I found really interesting about this book is that, and this is something that Elif has been very vocal about in terms of her promotions for this book, is that, and, and like also as is evident with her first book, The Possessed, she is a huge, huge, huge fan of Russian literature, classic Russian, uh, modern mm-hmm. Russian literature, so Dostoevsky, Tolstoy, all these things. Uh, so she's really into that and it's to the point that when she was doing the promotions for this book she was making this distinction that a lot of what she's writing about follows more in the vein of Russian literature Russian literary tradition than it does for American Mm -hmm. and one of the ways that I found was very interesting about how she described that was that she said like Russian literature at least this is how this is described in the Lithub article, is that Russian literature, because it's had to deal with, you know, like the, the Tsars, and then going through the upheavals of the 20th Society. century, yeah. until now reaching today with Putin as president. Like, they, We're they, just doing timelines again? Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah literally. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And like the fact that the, the modern Russian authors were existing... On the onset of that, like right before, yeah, right before correct. the Bolsheviks came to power, like it was, it was a thing where they could not anticipate that their whole, the fabric of their entire society was going to change in a radical way, um, and like, like as a result, you know, to write and to write after that tradition is to be um, aware of the fact that you can write in a way that's totally unsentimental and unnostalgic. Which is uh, contrasted to American literature, which she was saying, she was pointing out that American literature can be very nostalgic because with the way capitalism is, it will make you believe that there was a golden age, there was a golden period, even though <laughs> capitalism like historically fucked everyone over. <laughs> so like it, like you know throughout the whole twentieth century, so really that that idea of a golden age is really an illusion. Um, that yeah. makes that sense of nostalgia very, you know, yeah, illusory. And so, like, it's interesting to look at how that influence affects her writing in that sense, where this is a book that I definitely am sure is not nostalgic, as we've been saying about the difference between the older-sounding narrator and the young protagonist. Uh, but there is a way that she's straddling that line where she's not being nostalgic She's definitely being critical, but not judgmental, which I think is right. is a is an interesting way of telling stories about the past. Correct. So so that's why my course listing is something about like I, the you know the rough term I have for it is postmodern <laughs> Russian literature, <laughs> but then mm-hmm. it's also something that is closer to writing after your influences or like doing a case study of like people who write after like an identified influence. It's interesting right. to trace it out. I'd go to that seminar. Mm-hmm. I'd want to go to that class. How about you? And read about that here. What you got? Mine Mine was more on, like, 
I tried. I tried asking you about this earlier because I I can I didn't know how to describe it. Okay. But yeah. I, I I I thought that it would be more on that whole concept of like the because like a running theme of this was like how she would like navigate her relationships through what she was already learning in school, right? And then also how she, uh, based on her own experiences with language and like, um, and things like that. Yeah. I thought that this would be a good um, book to excerpt for a history of ideas class. Like, right. which is a, if you've never taken history of ideas, it's basically a philosophy class yeah. um, that we had to take in university and, or like work it into like a hybrid with, with another class that we used to take in university, which is called work in society. Yeah. And in that one, you basically do think about like, you, you do go try to delve into more of, work in society you know yeah, but like yeah. your place you know in in the workforce but then also how that relates to you with everyone else in your life not yeah. just work like you know not work not just work related and so some kind of hybrid class i think of those two things yeah it, it's be where i would place this yeah it's interesting because like with the history of ideas like that's like leaning more towards like the bigger theories that have dominated discourse and like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like the danger of that is that so many of those theories that could be considered quote unquote major are most likely like Western theories or theories that privilege mm-hmm. white people over minorities. Uh, right. And especially because so many of them were written by white cis straight men. So like, yes. you know, um, yes. like it, it's it's to the point that like I was I saw this tweet this morning that was basically saying like, you know, theory isn't just a matter of like being able to quote uh, dead white people, but it is also <laughs> being able to look at the experiences of others and people who have been able to extra- abstract from their experience a framework that they're able to apply on other lives. Right. And so like that that's why that this one also feels very consistent to history of ideas then, because then you have this whole refutation of like commonly accepted theories based on minority experiences. Like her saying that, no, your, your theory of language does not correspond to my ability to speak and read in both uh, Turkish and English and also to make associations between Turkish and Hungarian. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And so like, it's never, it's never really a closed system that history is just set the history of ideas is just set in the people who in the have dominated past, the discourse, yeah. but also like showing that there's another way of thinking about the world uh, mm-hmm. that we haven't, that hasn't like been disseminated. We haven't like, yet. yeah, 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 exactly. <sighs> okay. Um, good shit. Do you want, do you still want to do sports that. corner? I feel like we've had like such a good discussion. I don't, th- like, I don't have a question. I, that's fine. I, I feel like we've gotten so much of that. This is one of the most exciting like discussions we've had <laughs> i think I, yeah like, I, I had think, fun this feels like a breath of fresh air to be honest <laughs> not to say that <laughs> not to say that our, our our past episodes weren't uh, as good as this but like you know it, it feels good to be like kind of back in this mode again i think thinking from how we were coming out like like coming out of our first season i i think we were definitely kind of exhausted of having to do so many novels one after the other but then I also like am recognizing now, like, oh yeah, the intensity of discussion that we had after those things was uh, pretty good. It was nice. Agreed. I, I had fun. So yeah. I did miss this. Yeah. That was a lot more than I thought 
Yeah. It's always like that with the novels. Like, you always think, like, that's so, happened to us so many times where I've been like, oh no, I'm scared. I don't know. I won't have anything to say. Yeah. And then in the end, it's like, oh, there's so much to say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, like, there's so much to relate to our experience that, like, right. yeah, again, like, makes you feel like uh, reading is as enjoyable as it was when you were in college. Right, exactly. Right. So, with that, uh, I guess we should just, like, announce the next episode then, and then we can close off. Um, Hell yeah. So, uh, we're recording this post of change in schedule, so which means that our next episode, which is coming out next week, will be uh, the album Bark Your Head Off Dog by Hopalong, which is an album that we love, and it is also an album that is beloved by one of the guests who we're bringing along. Uh, So, stay tuned for that. That's going to be fun. That's going to be exciting. I am looking forward to recording with them with our guests tomorrow <laughs> to, yeah we're gonna do this yeah yeah we are we're totally, recording totally, this guys. don't worry guys we got this we got this we totally have this. don't worry about it um, don't worry about it guys apart from that if you really enjoyed this episode if you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed talking about uh the idiot please feel free to give us a review uh give us five star rating we only read five star reviews um uh tell us what other books you'd like us to read if ever in the far future <laughs> when it comes in the far when, future. when the opportunity comes for us to pick new topics to talk about again uh we'd be happy to oblige uh also feel free to follow us on instagram and twitter where we post our regular updates about changes in our schedule or things that we'll be covering we have not been very active on them lately, I guess, because we've been both very like busy, um, mm-hmm. just like adjusting to life and stuff. And um, we're also on YouTube where we post like um, highlights. One such highlight is um, an ASMR video where it's uh, you know akin to like if you if you if you still haven't been vaccinated, if you're if you're still waiting for your uh, priority category to come up. And you're yearning for the days of what it was like to be in a bar again. We have a video on our YouTube channel where it's us kind of running through the history of Sally Rooney, uh, but then with bar sound effects in the back to create that ASMR <laughs> atmospheric effect of uh, listening to, overhearing two people preparing for their book report at a bar. So that is on our YouTube channel, The Rec Room with Mandy and Mio, Rex spelled R E Q. How's yeah? Maddie, you want to say anything else? Um, how are you guys liking the season so far? Yeah, we want to hear more from you, please. Let us know. Let us know. Have heard? I mean, like you know, we we wanna. One of the things that we wanted to do with like the summer stem was like really try to reach a wider audience by doing more kinds of art, more kinds of stories. So, I mean, it's good to be back in our home element, but like, let us know if you know. If you're enjoying the way we're doing the films, if we're talking about mm-hmm. the, if we're missing angles and like some of the so- songs we're talking about, and especially as we're moving along into the season, we're going to be talking about picks, which is going to be, uh, it's a very different audience, I think, from uh, the audience uh, that we have here with something like the Idiot. Correct. Right. So tell us. So let, tell us, know. us let us We've know. We've set our social media. Yep. Yep. Just, yep. Just, just let us know, just, guys. Just Comment. Know. DM us. Call us Anything by your names. Ca- yeah, by our names. Yeah. Don't call us by your names. It's fine, guys. No, we, no. we don't have to go there. Okay, I guess that's it from us then. 
Yeah. Yeah. All right. And and as always, as always, my blood is going to be inside <laughs> someone else's brain. Okay. I was really like, what are we gonna do? <laughs> the fuels. Okay. My thoughts will fuel someone else. The way I, you're saying I that almost, too is so weird. I almost weird. wish that I opened the episode with that reading because, like, it's such an <laughs> out of context. Like, what is this book about? Like, yeah, that's true. That's maybe one of the most Russian parts <laughs> yeah. of this book. Yeah, it's like. Anyway, so that is the idiot. As always, what a strange penetration. Thanks for listening to The Rec Room. This episode was edited by me. Our artwork is by Mandy. Our theme song is 64 Sundays by Twin Musicom, which is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution License. Check out more of their music at www.twinmusicom.org. For more updates on The Rec Room, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Rec Room Pod. Rec spelled R-E-Q.